This brings us to the last um, week of our series called Unashamed. The first week we talked about, anyone remember? Pursue. Last week we talked about Transformed. And today, tonight, we're going to talk about Proclaim. Now, have any of you ever, anyone ever won a, a greater award? Like you won a trophy or any type of award? Anyone ever won any type of awards? All right. All right. I want you to think about the time you won the award, where you thought that, you know what, at that point you were on, you know, you were on the highest point of life, where nothing, nothing could knock you down, that you thought that you, you could say whatever you want to anyone, and it'd be like, you know what, you just, you know, you just told them off, and I was like, you can't do nothing about it, because I'm on the top. You ever been that way? Anyone ever been there? Think of someone like Usain Bolt. All right? Usain Bolt doesn't, you know, he's very cocky and arrogant. He does all this stuff. But you know what he does? He box it up. He doesn't just go in there and say, you know what, I'm the greatest. And, you know, what does he do? He box it up. In fact, he does what no runner should probably ever do in their life is to look in the back of them and see where the rest of the runners are because he's so far ahead it doesn't matter to him because he's just that fast. Tonight we want to look at what happens in those times and, and explain that when we, I know for me, when I was in school and we won the championship in softball and we beat SAC, that was like the greatest, one of the greatest times in my life because number one, Drew goes there, you know. <laughs> But it was just like, you know what? We were just like, we beat them on their own turf, and it was like the greatest thing. And I just could, I could still, even though that was in grade nine, I could still think of it like yesterday. I could still see us rounding the bases, seeing the guy coming home, and my catcher just picked the ball up and tied that guy out at home, and that was the game. And we just celebrated, and it actually showed on ZNS for many years, the celebration that was going on at the beginning of the sports section. It was Kingsway. My year, when we beat SAC, we were on their field just celebrating, and they couldn't do nothing about it. All right? We were excited. But listen, on the other side of that, on the other side of that is one thing they will always tell you in any type of NBA championship or anything, if you lose on your home court a championship, they don't tell you just uh, you know, just go in the back of the locker room. You know what they tell you? They want you to stay there because they want you to see exactly what it looks like when someone is celebrating your own court so that next year you have more motivation. Tonight we're going to look at proclaim. Proclaim a message. And tonight's message as we think about it, is the gospel message. Mark chapter 16, 14 to 16 says, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Before we look into the points tonight, I want you to think of disciples for a second, because they walked with Jesus. 
They saw the miracles. They saw what he could do. I mean, they even saw when he, you know, told Lazarus to come forth. You know, so they knew that he could raise people from the dead. But yet we know that as they, you know, they doubted. We know Doubting Thomas, and we know all the stories about he had to come check the hands and everything else. But for us, the reality is we're no different than that today. We sometimes have our own doubts when we have the whole Bible, and we know the end. We know that we're going to win, but it doesn't really matter because we still don't live our lives that way. We're not arrogant. When I say arrogant, not to mean that we are proud, but we know that, you know what, at the end of the day, no one can defeat us because, you know what, we have Christ in our lives. We're on the winning team. Now, are there stumbling blocks? Yes, there are. But tonight, as we think of proclaim, the first point we look at is unashamed Christians proclaim out of belief in Christ. You see, as we sit and think of this, and it starts in, in um, chapter 16, it says, After he already appeared to the eleven themselves, that they were reclining at a table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief. He's like, you know, I, I can imagine Jesus coming in like, guys, you didn't know? Like, you didn't know I was coming back? You didn't know that, you know, I was going to rise again? You know, when we sit and think of Peter, Peter is, you know, I think that Peter is one of the most, um, you know, when we think of the Bible, like, he's the example that we look at to not be like in some, a lot of ways. In a way, because Peter, you know, Christ told Peter, Jesus told him before he was going to cross, say, look, you're going to deny me three times. All right, you're going to deny me three times. No, no, Jesus, I'm not going to do that. Of course I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I believe in you. You know, I know I'm your boy. I got your back. And then what happens? You know, first one comes, like, okay, you know. All right, that's the first one. You would think after the first time, it'd be like, all right, I got to be careful. You know, he said three times. So the second one comes, you know, you know, he was with Jesus, you know, he knows Jesus, and he's like, you know, no, I don't know who he is, you know, blah, blah, blah. So after the second time, you're thinking, okay, well, I already made, said it twice. The third time, I possibly can't make the same mistake, but what he does, he does the same thing. And they roost the crows, and we know the story. It's just like us in our lives. We, so many times in our own lives, we do the same thing as Peter, because you know what? We doubt Christ. We doubt him. We doubt that he can do things that are beyond, you know, as we think of telling us about Christ, sometimes we look at people and we think as we're talking about proclaiming that, we look at a person and say, you know what? They're so far from God, there's no way God can do anything in their life. I've been there, all right? I've been there. And it's hard sometimes because sometimes you do look at people and you think to yourself, well, there ain't no hope for him. But the reality is, is that we as unashamed Christians proclaim out of belief in Christ that we know that Christ can do anything. Christ can work in anyone's life. Is there anyone in this room who wasn't a sinner? Who isn't a sinner? All right? No, we're all sinners. Now, some of us do worse things than others, but guess what? It's still sin. You know, I could tell you stories of stories upon what I've heard about people going to prison and you see the, you know, their life just change. 
Because, you know why? Because Christ got a hold of their life. Christ can change anyone. Think of Saul, all right? Who was later named Paul. <laughs> who would have thought that Saul, a man who went and killed Christians, would be the, one, the, the greatest missionary that anyone could ever think about? In fact, he had to, you know, even defend himself a couple of times because they were like, they're the same guy. You see, the reality is that if Christ changes your life, if Christ, and if Christ could change you or me, he can change anyone. So it's our job to proclaim the message, that unashamed Christian proclaim. Those who know Jesus often live their lives in unbelief. We often live our lives in unbelief. But when God's people live and believe, amazing things happen. Amazing things that happen when we live our lives in belief. We see tremendous things happen. Second point is this. Unashamed Christians proclaim to anyone at any time. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, we get into the point where it's Christmas time and this is like, oh, you know, we have to tell people about the birth of Christ and that's a great thing, you know, and that's the time to do it because... It's so much easier. And then when Easter comes, you know, everyone's celebrating the crucifixion so we can tell them about Christ and the resurrection. You know, so, you know, guess what? We have to proclaim this message all the time. Think of the woman at the well for a second in John chapter 4. We need to look at for opportunities to tell us about Christ. When you see the, the, think of that story, she is a woman that none of us would even think that Jesus would want to be seen talking to. Right? I mean, let's be real. Put in today's context, right? You saw Pastor Nicholas to the bar. I'll, I'll say the bar, you know, I'll just say that because, you know, I'm just thinking that way. I'm there sitting to the bar talking to this lady, and y'all know that she is known for being a prostitute. Y'all know that, all right? Y'all know that, you know what, she's married, she's been married a couple times, she's had, you know, different, you know, bunch of different wives and stuff, and you're wondering, you know, huh? Husbands, all right? All right. Sorry, all right? Sorry. Thank you. See, at least y'all listening, all right? That was a test. No, it wasn't actually. I, I didn't mean to. But, you know, she had a bunch of husbands, y'all knew that, and then y'all saw me sitting there talking to her. Now, what would be the first thing you think y'all would I would hear from any one of you? You would be like, you'd be like, uh, like, what is he doing? He's cheating on Tamsin, you know, why is he in the bar, number one? Why is he talking to this woman? But you see, the reality is, the reality is Jesus, Jesus, listen, Jesus went out of his way to share the gospel. And it didn't matter who Jesus was talking to. See, the woman of Samaria, number one, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. That's number one. Number two, he was a man, she was a woman, so that was another problem in that day that men didn't really talk to women like that, women like that. You know, as in to say, I'll sit down and have a conversation like that. So you see, we need to recognize that we say as Christians, we have to be like Christ. Now, 
Am I telling you to go into a bar and you say, Pastor Nicholas told me to go in a bar because that's what you're supposed to do. No, I'm not. Because I will tell you a story about my life when I was 18, 19 years old. I don't even know about, actually, I don't even know if I was that old. But I remember going to, I was going to Club Waterloo. <laughs> Club, you remember, anyone? I know it's closed now, but Club Waterloo. Remember Club Waterloo? I'm on you. All right. Anyway, I wasn't even, I wasn't really going there. I was going in there because the guy who was driving the car, he said he's going to get some food. All right? He did go get food, by the way. But listen, all I could tell you was this. I was in the backseat of that car, bent down like this, because you know why? I didn't want Albert and Karen Rogers to know I was in that place. Because I know what would happen to me when I got home. Like, I would have been in trouble. All right? I would have been in some serious trouble. But the reality is, you know what? We need to fear God in that type of way. That God has put us on this earth, as it says in the last part, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. You see, our job is to proclaim this message. It's to proclaim and to be excited about the message of Christ. Because the gospel message is the only message that can change anyone's life. I don't know about you, but I look at a newspaper, you know, and, and, I, and I like to look at things. It ain't much good going on in the newspaper. Not much good at all. But the reality is, we as who call ourselves Christians, we have the good news to tell others about Christ. We need to proclaim that message. It's important for us to do that. It's a command for us to do that. It's not an option. Is it scary? Yeah. Some of you in this room may be saying to yourself, well, you know, Nicholas, I've told people about Christ and they haven't accepted the message. You know what? The reality is, you've done your part. Yep. Our job and your job is only to tell others about Christ. Christ has to do that work. You can't go and beat yourself up and say, you know what? I'm going to give up because I told three people about Christ and none of them accepted it. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter once you tell them about Christ. For me, you know, one, one of the things that I cannot stand, I can't stand when any preacher or evangelist or anyone will come in, to a place and say this. I went on this, you know, trip and I saved 500 people. 500 people, you know, I saved them. I. That's what? You didn't do nothing. Christ did the work. Now, he may have used you, but Christ is the one who does the work, not you. Number three, understand Christians proclaim grace-filled condemnation. You see, Jesus removes and releases people's guilt and shame. You know what happens a lot of times for us? We're, we're human beings, all of us, right? No one alien, no aliens in there, right? All right, we're all the human beings, right? Anyway, our problem a lot of times is this. You know what we do as Christians or Christians 
yeah, we do as Christians. We look at people's faults more than we look at their, you know, what they're doing is good. Sometimes Christians are the people who discourage the people the most. And we're the reason why people don't come to know Christ. You know, you've heard me say it, and some of you may not. We are all an example of either pushing people away from Christ or pulling people towards Christ. You know why? Because they're looking at our lives. We're an example for people to look at as a Christian. In our small groups, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, our actions need to line up with our words. You know, we could talk the Christian game, but the reality is, you know what? The actions in the heart, if it's not a change in your heart, it's going to eventually come out through your mouth. How many of you can, you know, you, you can meet someone for the first time you, you know that, you know what? I ain't going to spend much time with them. We ain't clicking. Because of just how they talk and how they act. It's just a reality of, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with them. We've all been, we know all know them people. You know, for me, you know, growing up playing sports and, you know, playing baseball and night league and stuff, you know, there were a lot of guys who, guess what? I, I didn't want nothing to do with them. Every other word was the French word. You know, words that I can repeat. You know, the point is, is that, you know what? We need to surround ourselves. Listen, we need to surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage us and those who are going to show grace to people and not going to be like, you know what? I saw what you did. You're such an evil person. God don't want nothing to do with you because, you know, you did this thing and that thing. There are people even in the church that way who do that. You see, we need fewer fans and more friends who will tell us when we're wrong. You know, that's something that we all struggle with in this room. Because I could guarantee there's no one in here who honestly will raise their hand or will say, I'm excited when somebody tells me I'm wrong. Okay, one or two. All right. We like to be right. We like to be right, right? You know, when you, when you get older and, you know, you know even when, you get, when, you, when, when some of you get married, you know, when you have an argument with your wife or whatever, or, or, or whatever, you're just discussing something, you know what, you, you know what, it, you like, you know what, you want to honestly say, you know what, I, I was right. Admit it, you know, admit I was right, you know, that's, that's what you want to do sometimes. But you see, we must proclaim the wrath of God. We must proclaim the wrath of God, but we also must proclaim with the love of God. You see, the reality is for a lot of us, all of us in this room, we, all headed, we were all headed to one place, and that's hell. We were all headed to hell, separated from God forever. But God, are some of the, that's the greatest words in Scripture that you could ever find, but and God, because God did everything. And I'm talking B-U-T now, all right? But God. Because God changed everything. All right? Because Romans 3 tells us exactly the type of people we are. We wanted nothing to do with God. 
which brings us to the last point. Unashamed Christians proclaim God glorifying salvation. You see, our salvation was earned on the cross by Jesus Christ. It was paid for by Jesus himself. None of us did it. None of us could pay money for it. None of us could do enough for it. None of us could work hard enough for it. None of us could go tell enough people about, you know. You know, there are people, there are different religions who teach you that basically, you know what? There's only 144,000 people going to heaven. And guess what? That's the right reach out number. But now they had to change it because you know what they say now? Well, if I work harder than someone who's already there, they can bring that person back down. I go and back up. I going up. Or, you know what? I could work for my salvation. I could do, you know, if I do these things, I could work for it. I can, you know, that's how I'm going to earn it. Guess what? You can't do enough to earn that. It's a free gift. Does it mean that that means, well, I accept this gift and then that's it? No, no, no. Good works come, you know, after we accept Christ as our Savior. It's results. You see, the question for us tonight is this, for some of us in this room. Where is our allegiance? Who, who do we say we are with? If we say we're with God, we're supposed to act that way. We're to proclaim the message of truth. Let me ask a question. How many of you in this room have had a loved one who's died because of cancer or anything like that? Or, you know, just close to you, something's happened. All right. Almost everybody, right? How many of you wish they had a cure for that? That they had a cure and they could have saved them and they could have done it all, right? If I knew the cure for cancer or AIDS or whatever, and I'm withholding that message, I'm withholding, you know, the formula to, to, to cure people, you know what? I'm killing people. And same thing with us with Christ. We have the cure. We have the message. The gospel message that will change people's lives, that will cause life change. People from death into life. People from darkness into light. What are we doing with the message? Do we just keep our mouths shut and just say, you know what? They could just see me, you know, they could just see I'm a Christian, I go to church. You know, I, I do this, I do that. You know, I'm a part of SEM in school. So you know what? They can know I'm a Christian. You know the reality of that is? You could be a part of all the Christian movement clubs and everything else. But guess what? We still need to show it. We need to tell people, proclaim it. I know some people will tell you, you know, you know, once you act this way, you know, once you act like a Christian and people will see it, and that is true in a way, but we still, it's our responsibility to tell others. You got to tell them. 
Like I said, if I had the cure and I'm withholding the cure of cancer or whatever, and I told no one, it's no good to anyone. But we have the gospel message that can change people's lives. So I want to challenge you. And I know that, you know, at, you know, we have people from in here from 12 to probably, you know, I'm talking about, you know, 12 to say 18. And some of you are probably thinking, you know what? You know, I'm just too young to tell us about Christ. It's a lie. And I read stories that people seven years old are making a difference. We can all make a difference. The question is, are we available? Are we ready? Is it scary? Yeah. But we have the truth. So I challenge you to think of a person who you need to tell them about Christ because you know what? You have the cure. And God already cured you. So you should want that to happen. And I'm going to be honest with you. Recently, you know, in, in closing, you know, here, here at church, you know, we've had, you know, two people just, you know, in the last week who passed away. But you know what the assurance is? That we know they accepted Christ. The problem is, for those who don't accept Christ, you know what? You're not going to see them again. Unless you go in there with them. So I challenge you. Search your own life and ask yourself, you know what? Do I know Christ? And if you're here tonight and you know Christ, our duty is to proclaim the message to those we love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all you've done. We pray now that you would continue to be with us in our small groups, that you'd be honored in our time. Father, I pray that you would help us to just allow your spirit to work in and through us. And Father, I pray that you continue to um, just give us opportunities to tell us about you. We thank you. We praise you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.